Well, here we are again. It's another great day. Cheers. I kind of feel like cheers, it's, my I friend. Feel like it's every day. I know. Cheers. I, I brought this cheers, one brother. special for you, man. I was feeling very Viva la France. Ooh, Viva la France. I know, a little Bordeaux. So, um, actually, it was it was the only one my wife would let me take. It's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> it's, she's like, you can't take the good stuff. <laughs> not not for neighbors, though. Not no. But you know, I'll have to bring something else over for you. But we got a great guest to get to. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello. Welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock. For the first time listeners out there and for many returning listeners, what's going on? Philip, always good to see you. It's good to see you too, May. Welcome back to the home studio. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's like our, our home. It's our little man cave. It kind of has become a man cave. <laughs> there's Bill and Ted in the background. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, blo- I'm blocking Bill and Ted with my glass there. 1980s so. telephones. For those of you not looking at the video, <laughs> it's a pretty cool space, if you ask me. Yeah, I know. Well, we won't even talk about the uh, the Hot Wheels cars that we have you know, floating around here as well. Um, but it's going to be a great episode today. We have a guest stopping by, a new neighbor. Oh, very exciting. I'm really, really stoked for this guy to come on. Uh, we met at Podcast Movement. Another Podcast Another, Movement it was just, I, I like this. I was a little social butterfly, man. It was You're just, just it was wonderful. It that I couldn't be there over <laughs> and over and over again. I'm That's telling right. you, man. But before we get going, we want to shout out to our sponsor. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. Combining years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales, CNG offers big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. Okay, so we have a great guest. He is a realist. He's in real estate. A real estate investor, yeah. Yes, a real estate investor. Not only that, he has a successful podcast called Successfully Unemployed. If I could get that out correctly. Successfully Unemployed. I don't know if I could say that fast three times in a row. And he's also an author with the best-selling book, Successfully Unemployed. (laughs) Uh, He's a great guy. Uh, He lives in Arizona, so it's unfortunate that he can't be in studio with us. But he's generous enough to give us his time here on uh, over the uh, internet, the worldwide of the web, but we'd like to introduce Dustin Heiner. Dustin, welcome to the show, my man. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. I love the the idea of just having great neighbors all around us, and it's fun to be able to jump on a call with you guys. So I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem, man. Did I get all that information correct? Arizona, right? You, I, you even have the nice little Grand, like Grand Canyon background there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So the Grand Canyon, the picture that's in the background of my kids in there, I have four kids. Um, it's the Horseshoe Bend and it's amazingly beautiful. Like if you've never been there, it's someplace that's Grand Canyon's fantastic. The Horseshoe Bend is beautiful, but yes, Arizona. Yeah. And so I moved from California to Arizona. I thought that I was going to be hating life because it's so hot here. Well, it is hot. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely hot, but I've gotten used to it. And you know, what's really, really funny. Like if you move to Alaska, and this is what I've been told, you move to Alaska, your blood gets thicker because it's colder. So you got to stay warmer. Same thing with moving to Arizona, your blood gets thinner and because it doesn't need to be as warm. And now I play golf all the time. Now I get outside all the time. It's so beautiful here in the wintertime, summertime. You can just, you know, you tolerate it, but it is amazing here. I mean, I, I actually do have family. Uh, I have family from New York that moved out to Arizona. They live, I think they're spread out between like Scottsdale and Tempe and areas like that. And they are very big outdoors people. Like they do everything. He does like dune buggy, like he drives dune buggies and stuff. And he's always active and, you know, and I didn't even realize, and it didn't cross my mind that Mexico is very close. Actually, it's like a three hour drive to, to go down to the coast over there. So, cause everyone's like, oh, you're in the, like you were saying, oh, it's, it's hot. You're in the desert, but it's like, you're like, wow, 
that that's like not a for us. That's not even getting us to Dallas from Houston. <laughs> so so there's a there's a lot. Seems like there's a lot offered in Arizona that people just don't talk about. Man, a lot of strong opinions about border control. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we won't go there. We're not. We're not. We're not going to go there. That's that. That is true. You know. You know. I I do hear people from Arizona often cite that they get out to play golf now and again. They enjoy golf. They try once a week. You know that you're successfully unemployed. When you make the statement, I play golf all the time. It's, <laughs> so like literally two or three times a week, I try to get out and golf. And my wife usually says, I think you're playing golf a little too much. I'm like, no, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So you, was it real estate that moved you from California or was it family? That's a great question. So real estate allowed me to move to Arizona, but it was family that got me or the reason why. And so my... My wife's from Arizona, Glendale, Arizona. There's also Glendale in California, but there's Glendale, Arizona, which is right next to Phoenix. Um, and so she's from here. I'm from California. And so when we got married, she moved out to be with me in California for about 10 years, started having kids and everything, and eventually had enough properties where I didn't have to work anymore. And so I was like, well, it's getting really expensive here. Lots of other downsides about being in California, but my parents had passed away by then and her parents are getting older. So I thought, let's be closer to your parents so that our kids can get around them and learn from them and just, you know, be experiencing life with them. Because once you hit 80 years old, which they're like 78 now, oh, wow. uh, but at the time we moved here, like 72, 73. But yeah, once you hit 80, you stop moving around very much. And so like, let's be around your parents for as long as we can, you know, uh, while they're younger so that they can go out and see this kids sports games, all that good stuff. But now I just been really thinking, uh, man, Arizona is terrific. It's hard for me to, it'll probably be hard for me to move in the future. If I ever wanted to, to another state. Wow. I mean, I, I, it is gorgeous. Sedona is one of my favorite places to, to visit. I, every time I, I go, we, it's beautiful. Yeah. We, we have family when we get a chance to, it's very, it's not often, but we usually always end up taking a little trip up to Sedona and do Red, you bring, Red do you bring the tinfoil hat? No, that's you're you're thinking Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> wow, Philip, you're right. Yes, <laughs> oh, is no, it no. really? I thought that oh, was yeah. I thought it was New Mexico thing. Oh no, there are UFO conspiracies, all conspiracy theorists all over Sedona. Oh, see, I, I, I was it's, it's a spiritual like mecca for everybody. Yeah, it is. okay. I didn't realize it was UFO was a, such a big deal. I thought that was a big like we're in New Mexico type of you know. Well, Roswell. not necessarily UFO necessarily, but like spirituality and all that sort of stuff. But like that's UFOs also incorporated with it. So when you get up there, it's definitely a much more a quote unquote spiritually oriented. A lot of yes, new, a lot that's, of new wave, nice right? New age, new age. Thank you. Okay. New age. So the let new me, wave of the new age. So let me ask you this as for someone that is very much into the whole wearing a tinfoil hat, if he had to, uh, Philip, <laughs> but Dustin, well, I don't want them prying around inside my mind. I mean, come on. <laughs> so you have, let's, let's jump into, let's jump into this successfully unemployed, you know? So well, let's talk a little bit of work. I know you, you have another round of golf to go hit in just a second. So, uh, while we got you on break, what made you start successfully unemployed? What, what did now you have a podcast as well as the book, but I would assume the podcast came after the business started. Yeah. So Successfully Unemployed is one of three podcasts that I have. And Successfully Unemployed is really my passion project because I love the idea of not working for somebody else. That was my whole goal was to basically be my own boss, be financially independent, not rely on somebody else. And I used real estate investing to get to that point. Then I started a podcast podcast called Master Passive Income. That's my podcast where it's literally just, I rarely do interviews. It's just me teaching how to invest in real estate, the step-by-step -step process, literally just giving away all the stuff because it's so much fun for me to do this. And I realized that I liked teaching people because as I was quitting my job, I had 30 plus property, rental properties, it's long-term rental properties that I go for. I had 30 plus properties and people were asking me, friends and family members and people from church and all that, they would ask me, well, Dustin, how are you going to quit your job? And I said, you know, they're like, what are you going to be doing? Like, what's your next job? I I don't have to work. I have real estate. And the second question always comes. They say, well, can you teach me? And so I started teaching people one by one. I wrote my first book called How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties. And I know I'm not creative at all. Titles are not creative. It's just straightforward to the point. How to Quit Your Job with Rental Properties. <laughs> you know, because, some people really appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Like they know exactly I what they're going to get. Give it. They, they don't need to read totally. the inside cover like to be like, oh, that's what that is. Exactly. <laughs> I want to be able to give people, some friends and family, I want to give them something because they all had great questions. Now, they're beginner questions, but they're really, really good questions, but they're always the same. And so I figured if I write something and give it to them, they could read that and then I can help them. Well, fast forward, I was quitting my job and I learned so much about 
what I needed to do, the steps and not just steps because it's easy just to quit your job, but also even think like, what are you going to do about health insurance? What are you going to do about your retirement plan? What are you going to do about your vacation time that you saved up? And I thought, you know what? I could write another book. And so I wrote another book called Successfully Unemployed. And it's the lessons, like 16, 17 lessons that I learned along the way before I quit my job. And so that's, was, that was that. So I had the podcast, Master Passive Income. That's now where I teach. That's where most of my time goes to teach people how to invest in real estate and rental properties. But then I created Successfully Unemployed. And the reason why was that, because I realized that t- the title, when I wrote that book, uh, that title resonated with a lot of people. And then walking through conferences, I wore shirts, my shirt, I'm wearing it right now. If you can see on the video, it says Successfully Unemployed. And people who get it, who understand like that's a goal, they resonate with it so well. They're like, oh man, I love your shirt. And what was super even more crazy I was walking through a conference and people would want to take a picture of me and my shirt. They don't know who I am. They just said, I love your shirt. Let me take a picture. And then people would even say, let me take a selfie with you and your shirt. Like, I don't know who you are, but I I love your shirt. So that got me thinking, man, I love real estate. Real estate's fantastic. It's, it's, it's not that real real estate's amazing in itself, which is great, but it will, it's what affords me to do in my life, being able to get on podcasts and talk to great people like you guys and just really do whatever I want. And so with that, I started successfully unemployed because I realized not everybody wants real estate, but there are so many ways to become successfully unemployed. Obviously, Brian, having you on my show talking about acting and talking about podcasting, all that great stuff is just so terrific because there are so many ways. But most of us were taught, well, this is what we're always taught. We're taught to go to school, get good grades. Then with those good grades, you go to college, get good grades, get in thousands and thousands of dollars into debt. Then you take that piece of paper, that degree that you get, and hopefully get a job, work there 40, 50 years, and eventually retire when you're old and you're trying to retire on what you tried to save up, what you managed to save up your whole time working. And so with that, I realized there are so many other ways. Let me start interviewing people who are awesome. Like I said, this is a passion project, this successfully unemployed. And now I have this uh, podcast where I'm learning so many great ways to be successfully unemployed, as well as other people who are listening to it are finding, hey, I can be an actor and be successfully unemployed, or I can be a podcaster, or I can create, I even interviewed a lady who has her own bridal shop, like literally a a full brick and mortar bridal shop. So all that to say, it's just a passion project. Plus podcasting is fantastic. You guys know, it's just so much fun. Oh, it is. It is a lot of fun. And I will say that your successfully unemployed was a good ploy to get me to say hi to you because actually it was because re- when I met Dustin was at the, was at the iHeart party, the heart radio party. Uh, and we just happened to be next to it. And you actually had your shirt on. I, I remember cause I was like, Hey man, and I just remember we just started chatting and you know, I'm one of the Philip knows I, I talk to a wall if there's no one around, but Dustin happened to be right there and he was nice enough to, to chat me up and, and we had a good conversation and I had a blast on your show. It was really, really great. And I really appreciate you, um, with your interest and in, and in, in what I do, uh, we shouldn't shine a light too much on on how successfully unemployed actors are because there's more. I was about to there's say there's more unemployed actors than <laughs> yeah. there are successfully. Yeah, uh, I was they about, are successfully unemployed. A lot of them, but it is possible to do what you want to do, which I love, which, which is why I wanted to come on and talk with you. Yeah, I was about to say I'd, I'd be surprised if as uh, as many actors get mailbox money as successful real estate investors do. But so mm. D- Dustin, tell me, so yeah. I'm a big timeline guy. Let's back up a little bit here so I understand how this all really came to be. So I understand you quit your job, you started up the podcast after you wrote the book and and everything you just explained to us is is beautiful by the way and, and thank you for doing it and thank you for sharing your experiences with the world because podcasting is amazing and the fact that it's free to so many is something that just blows my mind. But I'm curious, how did you get your start in real estate from the beginning? That's a great question. So at, I'll, I'll fast forward to the end, but then I'll quickly go back to the beginning and lay that out. So when I was 37 years old, I was blessed to be able to quit my job, basically become successful and employed because I had enough real estate or rental properties that make me money without even working. So that was 37 years old. And since then, I'll, I'll never need a job again. And I'll quickly, now I'll go, let me go back to the beginning. So all my life, I've been entrepreneurial and all, you know, always had the idea of making money throughout a business. And at the same time, I'm taught just like all of us, you know, that whole path I just laid out, you know, go to school, get good grades and get a job and, you know, get a degree and then eventually get in thousands of dollars of debt and retire when you're, you know, 65 years old, when your life is towards the end. I was doing that because we're all taught that. 
But at the same time, I was entrepreneurial, so I even had a newspaper out. Now, if people don't know what a newspaper is, it's literally <laughs> a piece of paper that they put together and used to get it on your doorstep. But I had a newspaper out where I rode my bike with bags of newspapers, and I'd throw it at 5 a.m. Wait, 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 was it the satchel, or was it like the, the one strapped on both sides of your bike where you had to like, you had to like pick it strapped from on what, both sides. Both of the bike. sides. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So you yes. were like paperboy yes. style, man. <laughs> like I was. Exactly. That video game paperboy. Absolutely. I never. I, like, I never I made have, it past Tuesday that. on that game. Yeah, I like that you qualified that. I like that you qualified that for our younger listeners too, because anybody born after 1985 is like, well, I've seen that in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And so I was always entrepreneurial. So I had that. Then I even started a graphic and website design company. Started a skateboard manufacturing business, started a pizzeria and a convenience store all from the ground up. So to like try to create businesses and, and I, you're what you're, you're, in, you're, you're in your twenties when you're doing this or, or teens or so what's going on? I, great question. So in college, I had the graphic website design company getting out of college, created my skateboard manufacturing business. Then as we were getting married, we started a convenience store and a pizzeria. And so just businesses all along the way, but still working that nine to five J I call it a J O B because you're living just over broke. That job is keeping you just over broke. Now, I got to tell you a story of what catapulted me, like the, the catalyst or what really shoved me into real estate investing. So I had one or two properties at the time because remember, I'm entrepreneurial. So I thought, hey, let me also invest in real estate. So I bought one or two rental properties at the time. This was back in 2006. And so I was making a little bit of money there and I knew I needed to be an investor. But at the same time, life gets in the way, just like with everybody else. And so my job, my uh, businesses that I was creating, and I kind of put the real estate investing on the back burner. But here's the story, what really shoved me into it. So my wife and I started having kid, having kid after kid. Eventually we had our fourth child. Oh, wow. And when my fourth child was born, she was, uh, yeah, she was born. And then I went on paternity leave. Paternity leave is where the dad stays home with the mom, changes poopy diapers, bombs with the baby, gets food and all that sort of stuff. And then I went back to work about two weeks later. And that week that I get back to work, and on a Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon, I get a call from my boss's, boss's, boss's secretary, like the, the top dog. I get a call from her and she says, Dustin, would you please come to the office? And I said, sure. And then I hung up the phone. And then after I hung up the phone, I sat there for a second and I realized that as I was just about ready to go on paternity leave, what happened for me was there was potential rumors or rumbling going on in the entire county. I worked at the county. It was a local government, uh, a county there in Fresno. And I was working at the department. They were saying that there potentially could be layoffs in the county. And I immediately shook that off. Like, there's no way that I'm going to get laid off because I have so much seniority. I've been 12, 13 years now. My bosses think I do a great job. So I shook it off. Then I get up and I start walking down the hallway to my boss's office. Now, this hallway isn't very long. In fact, it's kind of short, but every step that I took, it felt like the hallway got longer and longer and longer. And I felt like I had lead feet, like there were lead bricks on my feet because I started walking and I started thinking, this is Friday at 3.30 in the afternoon. Like I've seen plenty of movies where people get laid off. This is idiot. <laughs> I know what and happens next. <laughs> <laughs> and the weight of everything started crushing down on me. Mm. And because I started thinking, I might lose my job. Well, get through the, the hallway and I turn the corner and I see my boss's door. His door is closed and I see his secretary there and she looks at me and sheepishly, she grins and kind of smiles at me, trying to console me with her eyes. And she says, Dustin, would you please have a seat? And she's a super nice lady and she knows everything about what's going on. I know nothing about what's going on. So I go and I sit down in a chair and as I'm sitting there, I start thinking about all this life that I've been you know, going to school, trying to get a degree, getting a job and career. If that gets taken away from me, is did I, was that all a waste? And then I thought, oh my goodness, like I just had our fourth, my wife just had our fourth child. Like literally she's like three weeks old. What is going to happen if I can't provide, if I don't have a job, I can't provide for them. Does that make me a failure as a father? Does that make me a failure as a husband, as a man trying to provide for his family? Well, as I say there, my hands get all clammy. My forehead gets all sweaty because the weight of everything just keeps crushing down on me. Then the door to my boss's office opens up. And oh, please tell me he wanted to offer everyone. you a promotion and then you quit. <laughs> that would just be, Wouldn't that would that just be? be so sweet. <laughs> all right. So, so you're sitting there, you got the sweaty palms. 
the breath, the heavy breathing and everything. So now we're in the office. What is, what is going on? Yeah. Out walks a lady, a coworker of mine with a piece of paper in her hands. She's noticeably distraught, noticeably upset, not necessarily crying, but you could tell her world's been rocked. Well, she passes by me and my boss says, Dustin, would you please come in the office? So I get up and I go into his office and I get laid off. And remember, this is the government. Nobody gets fired or laid off from the government, but I did. So if it happened to me, it can happen to everybody. And then I take that layoff notice and I walk back down that short hallway to my boss's office and sitting there, I realized two things right then and there, guys. The first thing I realized is I need to get another job. I need to be able to provide for my family. So I was blessed really, really quickly, praise the Lord, to be able to find another job in the same county, a whole other department. They weren't having the layoffs. So I really, I didn't get laid off, meaning I had two weeks notice, transferred over. It was great. So that was the first thing. The second thing that I realized sitting there in that chair, just getting laid off, was I need to make sure that this never ever happens to me again. I need to make sure that nobody has the ability to take away my ability to feed my family. So right then and there, I realized that my value is not in my job. Because whenever anybody would ask me the question, Dustin, what do you do? I would say, oh, I work for the county government. I do IT work. And that's basically projecting my value as being my job. Right then and there, sitting in that chair, I realized there's no way. There, no more would I ever project my value as my job. I am now an investor. I am an investor because I knew I needed to be. I knew I wanted to be. But what happened was life got in the way. And I said, no way am I ever going to let life get in the way. I'm now an investor. Now, it may so happen that 100% of my money comes from my job. That's now my part-time job. I'm a full-time investor. And everybody needs to realize this. Your boss is not paying you for how much you are valued. Your value is so much more than your boss could ever pay you. And this is how you're going to know that. You're, your boss is only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money that takes money out of their pocket. And so if you get paid for your value, you're going to be paid for so much more. So what? fast forward, I moved to the new department, and then I realized I'm an investor. So I started buying property after property after property. Eventually, I had 30 plus properties after about four or five years, 30 plus properties making me a minimum of $250 a month in passive income. These are minimums. Some are making three, four, or $500 a month in passive income. I realized, oh my goodness, I don't need to work anymore. All of my expenses are covered. I don't need to work. And so I'll round out the story by sharing. I went to my new boss, great boss and everything. But I said, hey, boss, I'm laying you off. I'm giving you a two weeks notice, basically quitting. And he says, Dustin, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't have to do anything. I literally own real estate that works for me without working. You mentioned that people come to you and ask you questions and or have a lot of questions and typically some of them very similar uh, across the board. What is the one question you say you get the most when people come to you? It's really how to get money, how to get money to buy the property. That's usually what it comes down to because you need a couple things. Obviously you need a property. Then, you know, you can't buy a property if you don't have one, then you need the money. Now people, it's easy for everybody to think, let me find a realtor. Everybody knows you can just call up a realtor and they'll find a property. So that's not the hardest part or the, the first question. The first question really comes down to how do I get the money to buy the property? And then the second question comes out to well, then how do I make sure that I'm making money? How do I make sure I'm not buying a money pit and all that sort of stuff? So I'll give you the quick answer. Actually, let me, let me, let me take it this route. So I'll give you the wrong way. And this is the way that I did it. When wait, I first, wait, hold on, slow down so I, I can take notes oh, right here. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me, I'll quickly give you the wrong way, but then I'll give you the right way. So the wrong way, and this is what I did. So back in 2005, 2006-ish, I watched one of those infomercials at 2 a.m. saying, hey, if you want to learn how to invest in real estate, we're coming to your town. Come to this free seminar. So I went to that free seminar. And then it was a huge sales pitch for coaching or basically a seminar. And they say, okay, now you got this great you know, information. Now run to the back and the, we're going to discount it from $50,000 to $1,000. The first 100 people were take them. I paid that $1,000, went to that two-day seminar. That was another sales pitch for another forty or fifty thousand dollar course. Like literally, that was that wasn't like they said this is worth two hundred thousand dollars. We're going to lower it to forty thousand dollars for you. I'm like, if I had forty thousand dollars, I wouldn't give it to you. I'd learn from my own mistakes. Fast forward now, what they were telling me, and this is the wrong way. I literally did this. Lived in California, flew to Ohio, because right, I California 2005, 2006, prices were skyrocketing, rents were low, you couldn't make any money in passive income. That's what I invest for. Flew there, found a realtor, found a property manager, put them together and bought a property. And within six months, my property manager started stealing from me. 
Now, if I would have given up, which I was really close to giving up, I, I would have not, I wouldn't be here where I'm at today, but I realized people have done it in the past and it probably can work. I just got to figure this out. But now what I did, I, I said, let me go a business mindset. Let me go, because I love business. Remember, I've had plenty of businesses. Those businesses were doing fine, but let me see how I can approach this in a business mindset. So what the gurus told me was they said, find an area of the country to invest anywhere in the country. Then you run the numbers. Running the numbers makes, basically means find your expenses, then make sure you have a little bit of money in income, $50 or so, but you're going to get appreciation, which by the way, I don't invest for appreciation. I invest for passive income and generational wealth. Like the kids that I, my picture, the background, I'm going to give these properties to my kids. So they say, run the numbers. Then you spend thousands of dollars to buy the property. Then you spend even more thousands of dollars to fix up the property. Then you find a tenant to rent the property. Then you find a property manager to manage the property. Well, in my opinion, that's just about backwards. In fact, I did that. And that's how I got into the bad mess of property managers stealing from me. Let me now give you the right way to invest in real estate. This is what I teach now. This is anybody asks me the question. This is, I say, this is what you need to do. So if you're going to build a business, actually, let me give you an example of what it's going to look like. So if you're going to start a convenience store, you know, convenience store, candy bars, soda machines, and all that sort of stuff, you're not going to sign a lease for a location, open the doors, and put a box of candy bars in there. No, if you did that, you go out of business in two seconds. What you would do, though, is you would build the business first. And you'll hear me say this over and over again, build the business first. You'd get the gondolas. Those are the shelving units that all the candy bars go on. You get the countertops, the cold storage, fountain machines, bank accounts, cash registers, employees, insurance, everything in the business before you buy any inventory. Then once the business is built, you buy the inventory and put it into your business. Same thing with real estate investing. We find everybody get the entire business built, and then we buy a piece of property, and that property is our inventory that we put into our business. See, all the gurus that they told me the wrong way to do it, they'll also tell you, your property is your business. No, 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 no. Our businesses own inventory. That inventory is our properties, and that's how I was able to scale my business so fast, you know, four or five years, getting 30-plus properties, and I could eventually quit because I had so much money and passive income. Because I built the business, all I had to do was find another piece of inventory to put into the business. Now, here, but here's the huge catch or the key that of it all. We invest all over the country. And if you, like, I lived in California, but I invest in Ohio, Texas, and Arizona. I've since moved to Arizona because it's beautiful here. But what we do is we hire experts on the ground. When you're building a business, you're going to hire the experts. You're going to get the right people managing, running the business, finding the experts that have the right inventory, all that sort of stuff before you do anything. And what's going to happen is the property managers that you find, the realtors, the inspectors, the insurance agents, the mortgage brokers, they're going to make sure that you do it right, especially your property managers. The biggest thing that you need to do is find the right property manager because I'll, I'll pause after I say this one last thing because I know you guys probably have questions. A lot of people jump into doing what the gurus say, buy the property and then, then, and then, and then, and then, and then eventually find a property manager. Well, if you did that and you call a property manager, you, you spent thousands of dollars on a property, you hopefully have it rented, but you try to find a property manager, you call everybody up, but most of the property managers are all of them saying, there's no way I'm going to manage that property because I'll get shot there. I'm not going to do that. That's a, instead of an asset, that's now a liability. So what we do is we start with the right people that are going to make sure we do the business right. Ask property manager, is this going to be a property that you would manage? If they say no, then I pass. If they say yes, then I probably move forward. So that's the biggest thing that I, the question that I get asked, and that's how I answer to everybody else. Well, that's good for anyone taking notes there. <laughs> when you were when you were first starting out, you said that when you quit your job, you had two properties. Is that correct? Yes. So you have two properties, and then did you have to heavily leverage those to start acquiring the more bulk businesses? Oh, sorry. Did, did I answer yet? So when I got laid off, I had two properties, but then when I quit, I had 30 plus properties. Oh, I'm sorry. 30, 30 more properties. And yes. That's a good question. I, I didn't, I didn't have it to ask, but I was thinking it like at one point. So how much debt did you have to get into? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, this. and, oh. and I think that, that I think that it's, it's great that, that you have that that passion and able to figure that out because it is not for the, I'll say it's not for the lazy. It's not for the, uh, the people that just is like, well, I just want to do this and then have money come in. It, there's always, there's some work that has to go into it for you to enjoy the benefits later. There is always something that has to go into it. And I, and I think that's for me, 
that's what I, I realized that not, that's why not everyone does it, does what you do, you know, because they, so, they'll look how much work they have to put in. They're like, nah, pass, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, we're laughing about that, but right. it's true. It's true. And you're hundred percent right. Because anything worthwhile is worth doing well, and it's going to take work. It's going to, it's going to be not be easy. It's going to be hard, but here's the fun thing about this. So a lot of people have seen the, or read the book, the four hour work week. Well, in my opinion, working four hours a week is for suckers. I don't want to work four hours a week. I don't want to work four hours a month. I basically, on my real estate, I work maybe 30 minutes a month because I've built the business. Now, like you're saying, Brian, it does take a lot of work up front, building the business, finding the right people, hiring, interviewing and hiring the right people. But once you have that set up, when I buy a new piece of inventory, a new property that I put into the business, it literally takes three hours of my life. And this is what it comes down to. So I'll wake up in the morning, you know, seven o'clock, whenever I want to, I'll drink my coffee, go to the gym, come back and kiss my wife and, you know, eat some lunch, but then I'll open my email and look at properties that other people are sending because they want to sell properties. They send it to me and I figure out which one I want. Then I go ahead and say, I put an offer on it and then I buy it, but it literally takes me three hours at most from wiring the money to, you know, putting an offer three hours of my own time. Now, everybody else, they are doing all the work, but literally three hours of my life to buy another property. That's a great payoff. But now because I've done all the hard work up front, now I literally don't need to work at all. Oh, it's, it's like a great production, right? I mean, it's, I'm looking at the theater production, man. You, you have to put it. It's the planning. You have to like, you have to have the costume designer, the set designer, the director, everyone. And then it's all that work and hours of rehearsal. And then when the performance is out, you're just, you know, you just show up the, for the performance and you do it and you just enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a great production that you have going on with your, with your company. So kudos, man. Yeah. It's interesting how you talk about this Thanks. because I, I have a few friends who are property owners and, and some family who are property owners. And, and what I often find people say is that they don't go the route of hiring a lot of managers and things like that because they don't like leaving money on the table. But my thought has always been, I think a little bit more along the lines of what you're talking about, which is, well, hang on a second. Yeah. Okay. If you have one property, you don't want to leave money on the table, but what if you could have 10, right? That incremental dollar starts to become less important to you and much more valuable for your free time. So what are you really buying? You know, it's interesting to hear you talk well, let me, about. Let me add offers. to that, Philip. That's a fantastic point because a lot of other investors, when I start either coaching them or they're the ones that are doing it themselves and they're managing the properties themselves, they think the same thing. Like, oh my, like, I don't want to leave money on the table. Like that's money I could be making for myself. I'm like, well, you're right, Brian, you're going to be doing a lot more work. Like that's stuff that you're going to have to do. I don't even think about my properties, but here's what I do. The reason why we build the business first is we account for all of our expenses. I don't get a job to pay for my property manager. I make sure that expense is already in there before I buy the property. So this is really, and most likely every single one of your listeners are much smarter than me. I'm not that smart. It's just addition, subtraction, a little bit of multiplication. So I well, you're talking to two guys that are expenses. below your bar. So at that point, <laughs> or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you into that, Philip, because you are, you're smarter than me. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so. All, we do, all we do is we add up our expenses and our property manager, the one that's going to be taking care of it. So we don't even think about the business that's accounted in the expense. And then we talk to our property manager and say, how much can I rent it for? Oh, great. Can I rent it for more than $250 or more? That's the difference is passive income. And so what I realized was if I account for all those expenses, I don't have to worry about that. But the great thing is I don't pay my taxes on my properties. I don't pay my mortgage. I don't pay my property manager. I don't pay for repairs. I don't pay for any of that stuff. My tenants pay for all that. Now it so happens the money comes in through, to me and out there, everything else, but I don't have to get a job. And here's the great thing. This is how I realized I could quit my job. I thought if I buy one property that made me $250 a month, and this is a little bit of multiplication, you know, 12 months out of the year, that's $3,000 a year in passive income. And then if I just multiply that out, I can just cover my expenses. 10 properties is $2,500 a month, $30,000 a year without working. Uh, 20 properties is $5,000 a month, $60,000 a year. All I had to do was just scale it up. And that's how I realized I could eventually become successfully unemployed. Well, I like that. But let me ask you this, though, because there's not every every project and every endeavor that we take always has some some pitfalls and some setbacks and things like that. Or, you know, do you have what are some of the uh, not so glamorous parts that you discovered about about your new venture? 
I am hundred percent with you. So I did it the wrong way and I've lost lots and lots of money. In fact, what I realized was all this wrong way of doing it. I could have maybe paid that $40,000, but now since, and this, this is back in 2006, there weren't great podcasts out there like your guys is. There wasn't anything like literally it was either buy a book or pay $40,000 and the book isn't necessarily enough or pay that 40, $50,000. And so I literally just had to do it on my own. So what I did was I'll give you an example. So there are mistakes that can be made like my property manager stealing from me. I found a property manager. They had a pulse. They said they were trustworthy and I'm a trustworthy person. I, th- I, I think every, the good in everybody, or at least I think that I can find good in everybody. And at the same time, I realized, oh my goodness, what I did wrong was I just hired the first person. I didn't, just like if I was starting a brick and mortar business, I would interview after interview, especially a manager over an entire business. I'm going to make sure I find the right person. And so you get like one person at once and you're like, uh, you want the job? You're in. <laughs> like, right? like I'm was. on my way. That's literally what it was. What's that big bulky thing on and your so ankle? That, oh, it's nothing. I, it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Who are don't those guys? Oh, yeah. no, don't worry about yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can, can you drive? Can you drive over? Oh, that's cross state lines. I can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, red flags. It's like, who are the guy in the sweats? No, don't worry about that, man. They'll be all right. <laughs> but yeah, although so that is that's the big thing that you if you don't hire the right people, that's the big downfall. Because then you're sweating bullets. Like, I wonder if I'm going to make money this this month. I wonder if I'm going to have to put money into it. Like, I wonder if they're going to even give me my money. When you decided that you were done with the conventional workforce, how'd your wife take this? Was she like right on oh. board with this, or was it like what are you, what are you talking about? You know. So it, that, that's a great question. It's actually, I'll take a quick step back. It was buying that first property. That was the hardest thing. Like when I got to the point where I was, I was being able to quit my job, be successfully employed, it had already been built up to where she was okay with it. But buying that first property, oh my goodness, that was, that was horrible. You're going to take all of our money where, and do what? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so what, but here, this is, I'll make it even worse. I'll make it even worse. So I was not taught to save. I was taught not to go into debt, which was good, but I wasn't taught to save. So when we got married, I was 26 or something like that at the time. She was like 24. Um, she was taught to save. So she had maybe $13,000 or something like that. And we got married and we got a little money from the wedding and stuff like that. But then I said, hey, honey, honey can we take our, like your life savings that you did plus the money that we got from the wedding? Can I take, it was literally like six months after we got married. I said, can I take that money and buy a rental property with it? She goes, no, of course you can't. <laughs> like, like her dad was a, as a teacher. We don't need her a honeymoon. A mom. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got this great house that we get, we're not going to live in. <laughs> she, yeah. So she grew up so risk adverse. In fact, her parents are so risk, like totally risk averse. So what I had to do was convince her. And not the why, because I told her the why. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to be successfully employed and all that. I didn't have that term at the time, but, you know, I wanted to be financially independent. And that was the first property. But here's what was interesting. So the first time buying the property, I had to literally walk her through the entire deal, show her how we're going to make money, how we're not going to lose money, who's going to, I had to do all that sort of stuff. And it didn't help when the manager started stealing from me after, but again, at least we had that first property. But what was great is property after property after property, she started realizing this system works or this business model works. And then um, after, right, right before I was ready to quit my job, I bought three single family homes and a duplex. And remember the first one, I had to literally walk her through. I had to take her literally through everything. But after I bought uh, three single family homes and duplex, I didn't even tell her about it. I said, because I, I, she knew the business was running home. I came home. One day I said, hey, honey, I just bought three single family homes at Duplex. She goes, okay, good. And then went right back. Yeah, she's like, all right, so we're going to vacation in Hawaii. So (laughs) (laughs) So, Christmas in Fiji. So getting to quitting wasn't bad. (laughs) I know. Being being able to quit my job was was it. Now, here's one one caveat, Phil, to help with your question, which was a great question. So that was the hardest thing. But when I went to quit my job, we did have a good amount of debt. Because buying property after property, having the debt, because utilizing debt is a great thing. Utilizing debt to make more money, which was great. It wasn't costing me money. And so she said, hey, you're going to be quitting. It'd be great to have a lot less of overhead or expenses that we're going to have to be paying every single month. So we have cash. Let's go ahead and pay off some of these loans. I said, oh, babe, that would be properties. That's cash. I could buy more properties. She said, I don't care. We got to pay off these loans. Like, okay, honey. So we 
blessed to pay off those loans. And now we have so much less in debt. In fact, all the properties I have, maybe we have like three or four of them that have a loan on them now. Oh, wow. she, she was smart. Your wife is smart. That's, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I, she I, is. I'm I, so blessed. I, I would have been like, yeah, I've been like you. And she, my, my wife is the, is the voice of reason, but you know, okay. So I, I have to ask this it, from everything that you're saying, it sounds like you're, you're not motivated by money, just motivated by wanting your, your free time and your, what you want to do, which is, which I think is great. But with having that much free time, do you find yourself feeling, having trouble filling the time, you know, cause obviously your kids go to school and everyone has their things going on. Do you find yourself either finding more hobbies that you wouldn't necessarily do or finding yourself like itching to do like just to have something to do, you know, because we always talk about we're always busy, busy, busy. But when you have time, it's kind of like you kind of like, whoa, what do I do? So I, I want to say for six months, maybe even a year after I quit my job, I wasn't, I wouldn't say it's necessary to say lazy because I had master passive income. That's where I would, you know, have my podcast and coaching and all that sort of stuff that I was doing. So I was busy, but not, not tremendously busy. But for the longest time, like I'd go watch a movie in the middle of the day. I'd go play golf. Um, I'd go hang out with my kids. And so I was just doing that. And after so long, like literally six months, I started feeling like, man, I just feel, I don't feel right. Like I'm a doer. That's literally like my personality. And I love business. So if you remember, like I said, I'm entrepreneurial. And so I realized, my goodness, I have so much extra time. How many more businesses can I create now? Imagine that 40 plus hours of your life back to you. Remember, your boss is getting money off of you. Your value, they're not paying you for your value. So I realized if I take my value and create businesses, now I have four, no, five businesses now that are making me money. Most of them, and like I, like I know, I love passive income. So I know passive income is the way to go. So I don't want to work one hour and get paid for that hour. I want to work one time and get paid over and over again. That's why I created Master Passive Income. And so what I do now is I take my time and I build businesses. So now I'm very, very busy, but I do want to touch on one something really quick, Brian. You said, money is not motivating me. And this, and you're 100% right. And I even realized that after I quit my job. So my goal was to quit my job. That was all my entire goal. I said, okay, 10 years, I'm, my goal is to quit my job. In fact, it wasn't necessarily a goal. It was a deadline. I said, if I, even if I can't quit my job, I'm going to force myself. Like I'm burning the bridges as I go. 10 years, I'm going to quit no matter what, if I have the means to or not. So I was blessed to be able to do it. I was like nine years, nine and a half years, I was able to quit. But then for about two years, I didn't have a goal. And then I started thinking, man, I need a goal. Like I need something to strive for. But I created a goal. It was a monetary goal, a quantitative goal I can hit. So I said, I want to make a million dollars in all of my businesses in profit. That's my new goal. And honestly, for about a year and a half, I was so demotivated. It wasn't a motivating factor at all. In fact, I was like, this is boring. Like, I don't even care about this goal. Then I realized as I serve more people, I feel better. Like my goal now is to serve more people. So I stopped that goal of making a million dollars a year. Now, don't get me wrong. A million dollars a year would be great. But it's not, I, I have my needs taken care of. I don't really, I'm not, that's not concerned me. Yeah, you so can buy a I movie theater. Now, <laughs> there you go. So now what I do now is my goal is now to help a million people invest in real estate. That's my new goal. And I realized that is so much more like, I'm so much more motivated, like being able to jump on podcasts to talk about that because I've been able to uh, change my life. And now with my podcast, I even had a conference recently. I put on my own conference called the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. It was in March in Phoenix. Super awesome. 200 attendees. We had 30, 30 speakers, 15 sponsors. It was terrific. But the, I built that because my new goal was to help a million people to invest in real estate. Well, my podcast only reaches certain many people. My you know, courses, I can only reach certain more people. Well, hopefully a little bit more with us. Uh, conference. <laughs> there you go. Hopefully a little <laughs> bit more. You. And for our <laughs> listeners, you can, find, you can find Dustin's podcast on wherever you listen to your podcast, Successfully un- Unemployed. So check it out. And uh, we'll put the link in our episode description as well. Yeah, without any doubt. And I, I just have to say, aren't daytime movies the best? When like no one's they, in when no are. one's in the theater, like you just like cruise in, sprawl out. Yes, it's I usually show up like best. like like ten minutes late because I don't want to watch the trailers because they just kind of get irritating to me. I love trailers. I actually could sit and watch like trailers for like an hour. <laughs> like I and that's part of my well, movie going experience. Try this one time. 
try it one time. Like a, a movie you know. Oh, my wife would watch, be thrilled to have that. She she's just like, no, don't worry. There's 20 minutes of trailers. We're fine. I'm like, that's let's get there. Yeah, yeah. no, but she, she'd whatever, be thrilled that you suggested that. Actually, <laughs> whatever the next Fast and the Furious film is in <laughs> yeah, the franchise, right. <laughs> just don't do the trailer for that one because you know you, there's gonna be like five no. more within a month. Yeah, so. I know, right? It's gonna be fast and it's gonna be furious. Yeah. No, no, I, I will say this, and this uh, something that that ties into that. You know, I, I feel how you feel about the movies with trailers, how I feel about going to see theater. So I, I love seeing theater that and not really knowing much about the show because one, because it's, it's, it's live people and things like that. So it speaks more to me than, than movies. That's why I think trailers are just fine for, for me for movies. But one, we had an interview uh, with a, with a, a friend of ours from back from in our season one, Emily Trask. And she said the most prof- profound thing uh, on our, our podcast, you know, the audience, when, when you have a great piece of whether it's cinema or theater, the audience and the actors and everyone, it's like your hearts synchronize as you're watching it. And it just, it, if, if you're really experiencing something and in a movie, it's obviously it's, it's on a screen, but like everyone in the audience, like your hearts are kind of synchronized as you're kind of into this. Now, obviously everyone is a little bit different, but I think it's just a wonderful image to think about when you're, you're experiencing something like that, which is really kind of neat. And just reminding me of you reminding me of that, but I will have to try the, the trailer thing one time. Since you don't watch movie trailers, uh, whether you be in a movie theater or in a theater, now that we all know again, that people's hearts tend to synchronize when they're gathered in these environments. If you start hearing people's Apple watches chiming with AFib alerts, get, <laughs> get the hell out of that theater. Yeah. That's your cue to jump up and run. Yeah, so, something's wrong. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Wait, wait. Oh shit. I gotta, I gotta get out of here. You know, just, just, just move on. Well, actually, you know, I, I think you're still okay. That is a good indication though, but it's the moment that you see someone start running. Then you, you, you better not be far behind because yeah. the minute one person runs in a crowd. Yeah. If their wrist is glowing, buddy, <laughs> yeah, it's time to right. go. But, you know, Dustin... Don't wait. Jump on it. Yeah, I know. But you know what? We don't want to keep you too much. But we first of all, thank you so much for your time and, you know, for the introduction to your course. But if someone was interested in finding you, where would they look? Yeah. Actually, I have a real estate investing course I just love to give out for free. Do you guys mind if I share that with everybody? Absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll give you my real estate investing course literally for free. If you text the word rental... R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. I'll give it to you. I'll show you how to find an area anywhere in the country to invest out of state, you know, invest out of state, how to build the business first, how to find the right properties, buy it where you're making $250 a month, how to scale your business to quit your job. Then I also have Successfully Unemployed, my podcast as well as uh, Master Passive Income is my podcast where it's just me coaching how to do this stuff. YouTube as well. Check out both those terms. And so, yeah, I, I just love being able to help as many people as possible. And podcasting is phenomenal. You guys know how awesome podcasting is. So yeah, you can it, find it me those wonderful. ways. Yeah, we it love it. Well, I mean, heck, we wouldn't have met you actually. <laughs> so we wouldn't be- Are you going to podcast movement as, again? I am, you know, because I have family. We are. I, we are. I should say, oh. sorry, Philip is joining this time. Yeah. You know, we were, I will just say this for our listeners that we've talked about it in the past and past episodes. You know, we were very blessed and, and I was very blessed. I applied for uh, the scholarship. So I got offered, you know, a, a pass to podcast movement in Nashville. And so I was like, well, let's go check this out. Right. And it was one of the best experiences I had because I had never been in a room with so many creatives that weren't necessarily trying to get something from you. They were all trying to be a part of and wanting you to be a part of what they were doing. And so it was really an amazing experience. And then when I told Philip about it, he was real jealous, but I was like, don't worry. You're going to meet a lot of people that I met because I had so many people that I want to bring on our show. And we've been able to, to bring on a couple of people from, from podcast movement. It's been wonderful, but we are going cause Dallas, I got family up there. So we're going to be staying. So if you, if you want to come hang with us on the after after party, you let me know <laughs> because we're going to be there in Dallas. Are you, are you planning on going? I, I will definitely be there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. Then just let us know. We'll, we need, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that we, we text we'll or something and we'll connect too. and, and yeah. have a good time. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and put up, uh, every, everything you've given us in our episode description. So people know exactly where to find you. We really appreciate that. And I did go ahead and text rental. So I look forward to that as well. The, the magic of technology as we sit here recording. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. We could use a, we could use a vacation home for, for the podcast studio 
and then we could use, you know, expand our studio space. No, no, no. It's I a write-off, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not renting it. I want somebody else to rent it. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying we, we build a second studio. There you there go. We go. There you go. I like it. I like it. Uh, but before we let you uh, get on with your day, sir, you know, we always ask as we try to expand our neighborhood, if you could give just one piece of advice to a random neighbor, what would it be? I've seen how neighbors can be great and neighbors can be pretty bad. In fact, I saw one recently where one killed another. Really horrible. So that qualifies as really bad. Really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd say that. that, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Really, what came about was they were yelling at each other. They were like screaming at each other. You're this. You're that. And like back and forth across the street. It was pretty bad. And with that, I thought, you know what? The, The Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. And I thought, you know what? All that could have been avoided if you just said, you know what? It's okay. Let's and move on. Like literally just run away from the fight. Like there's no need to keep going back. Like it's just your pride that keeps going back and forth. Just turn away, turn, turn the other cheek, like literally just walk away. But a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so with any of my, um, actually I've had neighbors that have had issues either with me or something happened. And then I just be very patient with them, calm with them at the same time, give them a gentle answer. Cause I, life's too short. You don't want to have any wrath or any issues. And so I just try to move on from it. I love it. I think we could all relate to that. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Before a slap happens. Yeah. yeah I'm about to say, <laughs> there you go. there's, there's a, a recent award show that could have benefited from hearing this podcast. Exactly. exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, so, so, you know, you out there, you know who this is, you were talking to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but thank you so much, man. We really want to appreciate that. But for all of our listeners, man, you guys can check out the episode description for all the links for Dustin's successfully unemployed podcast as well as his other endeavors if you wanted to get in touch with him and also make sure that you text him so you can get some free info and get yourself on your way to your own income and raising that bar. Absolutely. Be sure to post up in social media, especially if you like Dustin own multiple LLCs. We like have a little competition here to see who has the most companies. <laughs> I think so. Mm. But make sure you guys check us out on social media. Subscribe to the YouTube uh, the YouTube channel if I could even get it out, right? The BoopTube YouTube. The I like BoopTube it. YouTube. Yeah. We're on there. We're on the social media. You know, Dustin, man, we'd love to have you back again. You have an open invitation. So welcome Thanks, anytime. Guys. Thanks for hanging out, sir. Thank you so much. All right. And we'll catch you guys next Friday with the new episode. Peace out.